0: All right, who's ready to receive the word of the Lord today? Let me hear you now. Yeah, I appreciate you being here and we welcome all those who are watching online. We want to invite you to come and join us. We have several thousand people every week are tuning into our broadcast and watching uh, this service. So if you've been watching online, if you live in the area, stop by and see us. We'd love to meet you in person. And I can tell you that you may be experiencing the anointing of God even through uh, the Internet. But I tell you, in in person, it's even that much greater. So we invite you to stop by and join us. We're going to go right back into our series we've been in called Jesus, Use Me. That's our theme for the year, Jesus, Use Me. And I want to piggyback off of the sermon I did last week. And we're going to continue to thought, who, who does Jesus use? Remember last week, we talked about the woman at the well. Jesus said she'd been married five times and the guy she was living with wasn't currently her husband. She was the talk of the town. Everybody was gossiping about her, talking bad about her. And so she was coming at noon to avoid the crowd. Jesus shows up at noon also to meet her, transforms her life, and she runs back into town and says, come meet a man. Come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever did. No longer was she running from her past Now she was running to the very people who was making fun of her for her past, talking bad about her for her past. And now she was running to those people, transformed, saying, come and see a man. And it says that Jesus stayed there and revival broke out in that community. It was a pretty awesome story. I want to tell you two stories today. The first one I want to look at, we find in Mark chapter 5. It's also found in Luke 8. And it's a story of a demon-possessed guy. We see the story, and it says there's a man who was living in the graveyards. He was filled with many demons. He was running around terrorizing people. He would cut himself in the graveyard. They would try to chain him up, and he would break the chains. He had so many demons in him. He had supernatural, demonic strength, and so they couldn't keep him chained up. He would run around naked. How many know that's going to hurt the homeowners association right there? Hey, come move into this neighborhood. There's a naked man running down the street, screaming and hollering, dragging chains and cutting himself. I mean, you would think people were like, you know, no, thank you. We'll go to the next town. And so this is what's going on. This guy is out of control. It's not safe for the kids to play. People are scared of this guy. He's totally possessed by demonic spirits. And Jesus shows up in his boat, and the Bible says that when he shows up to the shore, this man is there waiting for him. I mean, let me tell you this, that the demonic world understands when Jesus is present. You must know this, he understands, the demonic presence understands when Jesus is present. And we see something amazing happening, that when he gets there, this demonic man comes and he falls at Jesus and says, What have you to do with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God. See, before Jesus was ever resurrected, crucified and resurrected, even the demonics knew he was the Son of God. Even long before you and I knew it, and even before his disciples fully understood, the demonic presence, man, he knew it. See, they thought he was out of his mind. No, he was just possessed. But I tell you this, even those spirits understood who Jesus was. And he goes, I beg you, please don't torment me. Do you get this? At the presence of Jesus, Jesus hasn't done any. Jesus just shows up, and this demonic man, all those spirits begin to speak out of him, and they say, "Please don't torment me. I want you to know." Maybe a little side note to the message today: If if you're feeling like you're under attack all the time, I invite you to invite the presence of God to fill your car, to fill your home, to fill your mind, to fill your worship. Why? Because the demonic presence is intimidated. They understand their authority of Jesus, and they do not like the presence of God. So the more I keep the presence of God around me, the less I'm under attack. That didn't cost you anything. That was free today. That's why he said, where two or three are gathered, in my name, I'm there. See, Jesus said to this man, he said, look at them, he said, come on out. He said, listen, come out of this man, you impure spirit. He spoke to the spirit of the man, those demonic spirits that come out of this man. And Jesus asked the man, he says, what is your name? He was speaking to the demons inside him. He says, what's your name? Now, I don't know. But the Bible says right here, you know, he goes, my name is Legion for we are many. We don't know exactly how many demons were inside of him, but the smallest number we see for the word Legion in the Bible was 5,000. So we don't know how many demons he had inside of him, but we do know this, that it was in the thousands. Thousands of demons were in him. And so I can imagine that this man spoke up. Can you imagine being there? I, I can promise you he didn't just speak up and oh this is like we're legion. No, I can tell you it was it was something really freaky out there. It was something really like we are. Me. I mean it was something really, really make the hair on your back of your head stand up. And they speak to Jesus because they had to, because Jesus was speaking. And they say, We beg of you, Jesus, don't don't cast us out into the, the abyss. Let us go over to these swine, to these pigs, and let us at least dwell there. So Jesus does this, and Jesus cast out the demonic spirit of legion out of this man. These demons run into the pigs, and then all of a sudden the pigs get crazy. And they take off running, and they all go off the side of the cliff into the lake and drown. Now, we don't, like I said, we don't know how many, but there was 2,000 pigs, the Bible says. 2,000 pigs that ran off and drowned that day. Something happened. Something happened. Let's see what happens here. Let's pick it out of the story back up in Mark 5, 16 through 20. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened. I mean, it's one of those things you just have to be there to believe, right? You have to see it to believe it. And those who seen it, they went and told what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead. Now, listen, to this. they told two things. About the man getting free, and then they told about the pigs, okay? And it all happened, the pigs drowned. And then the people began to plead, Jesus, leave us, leave our region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man also came who had been demon-possessed and begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but he said to this, "Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how He has had mercy on you." So the man went out away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. All the people were amazed. Now, this region of Decapolis consisted of about ten communities, ten towns were in this whole region. And we see something happening here that the people taking care of the pigs are like, oh, this isn't good. How many know 2,000 pigs dying in that community was a big thing? That was a lot of meals. That was a lot of money that just went and jumped in the lake. That was a lot of things. And these people were so upset at Jesus for the pigs drowning they couldn't even appreciate that the one thing that had been terrorizing them, the one thing that had been bugging them, the one thing that had been haunting over that community was now set free. Let me tell you something sometimes freedom comes at a cost. And if you get so caught up in what it costs to do the Lord's work, what it costs, what it's going to cost you, you're going to miss out on the miracle God wants you to experience. Do you not believe that if Jesus can cast the 2,000 demons into these, these pigs? That what can happen? That He can bring back two more and 20. I believe Jesus would have said this Hey, I, I know I took care of that, but let me call upon the heels because my father, he owns the cattle on a thousand heels and he can send the pigs out of the country. He can bring them from everywhere. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat. I took care of that. Dad, I'm going to take care of this. But they, their eyes were so concerned about what it was going to cost them, they couldn't see the miracle that was right ahead of them. We, we got to see that Jesus wants to do something. And they say, Jesus, leave us. And Jesus does something very strong here. He gets in the boat, and he actually leaves. Let me give you this point here. Write this down. Jesus will leave where he's not wanted. Jesus will leave. He is omnipresent, meaning his presence is everywhere. But he will not stay where he's not wanted. He will not stay. We must invite him to dwell. That's why he inhabits the praises of his people. We welcome you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you. We are inviting the presence to dwell. We're inviting him to stay and dwell. We're inviting him to fill our hearts and minds. If we don't, he, he, he won't stay. Simple as that. He said, where two, three gathered in my name, I show up. And so we realize this. Uh, the man was asked to do something. He asked to go with Jesus. Jesus I, I want to go with you. These people have been chaining me up. These people, they want to kill me. These people, I've done some. Take me with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you go back to your own people and you tell them today that mercy has found you. Oh, I love that. I love that Jesus uses those words mercy because it was mercy that found me. That while I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. I needed God's mercy. Did you need God's mercy? How many are thankful that mercy invaded your life? It was mercy that gave me not what I deserved, but what the Father gave me through the Son. Forgiveness and righteousness. It was mercy that come running to me. It was mercy that saw me. He said, you go back and tell him mercy found you today. Listen, that's our responsibility to tell people that mercy has found us. It's our responsibility to tell people that mercy has come running to us. If Jesus has transformed your life, if you've received his mercy, then go back to your home and tell people, mercy, I found mercy today. It's our responsibility. Now, we see that Jesus leaves the area and does a short little ministry trip. Then he quickly returns back to the area. The Bible says that on his way back, just a few chapters later, on his way back, as they were traveling through the area, I don't even know if he was in, originally going to stop there. But as he's going along the boat, the Bible says the crowds begin to see him. And they begin to follow and they begin to grow. So people, hey, Jesus, the disciples are coming down the river. They're coming down. The, come on, we got to go. Let's get. And they all start following him. And then the crowds grow. And they're Jesus, stop here. Jesus, pull over. Jesus, come here. And Jesus pulls over, and the multitude is there waiting. Matter of fact, we later on in that story, find out that that was the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. And the Bible, when it counts people, remember, it, it counts according to men, as was the Jewish tradition at the time. And so when they kept records, they would tell you how many men were there, but it wouldn't tell you how many women, how many children. And so there was a lot of people there, okay? And so we see this happening. They're waiting for Jesus. Jesus, come on. Time out. Wasn't it just a short time ago? They said, get in your boat and leave. And now they're saying, pull your boat over and get out and stay. Not just a couple, but thousands upon thousands. What changed? This man went back to his hometown and told people that mercy found him. And never like, if mercy can find him, it can find me as well. If God, you can transform his life, you can transform my life. God, if you can heal him, you can heal me. Let me tell you something. People want to be around something that's real. They don't want a dead, dry, boring God. They want a God full of mercy who transforms lives, who breaks chains, who sets minds free. He said, go back and tell them. And he came back. And they were so intrigued. They were so hungry. And the Bible says they stayed for three days without food. And eventually, Jesus does the miracle of feeding the 4,000 there. But can you imagine being so hungry that they just sit out there? I mean, they asked them to leave. And now they're spending three days without food or shelter, hanging on every word Jesus had to say. What transformed? The crazy man running around naked, cutting himself Holling like a dog in the middle of the night, breaking chains, terrorizing people, found mercy. And he brought revival to that region. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to use you in your life. Some of you today, you're crazy. You've ran around naked. You've been breaking chains in your whole lifetime. You've done things that are crazy in your life as well. And Jesus has transformed your life for a reason, and that's to bring the message of mercy. Let's go through our second story in Luke chapter 9. It's a great story. One of the most famous stories in the Bible. One of the most famous miracles is when Jesus fed 5,000 people. Many theologians believe this was the biggest crowd that Jesus ever ministered to. Many believe this could be up to 15, 20,000 people could have been present during this time. So I believe it's kind of helpful to put ourselves there. But let's read this in chapter Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. Now, late, let's say it the word together, late, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. Let's say it together. You give them something to eat. And then they answered, we only have five loaves and a bread and Two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. So the disciples did so. Everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking upon heaven. He gave thanks. He broke, broke it to them. He gave it to them to the disciples, to distribute to the people. So today, I I want you to kind of put yourself in the story. It helps us sometimes to have a better understanding when we put ourselves there. So I want you to put yourself there now on the hillside. As the thousands are gathered around, and, and Jesus is on the top of the hillside, and his voice is echoing through the canyon as he's speaking. And you're one of the, matter of fact, how about you become one of the disciples today? So you're there, you're helping Jesus with crowd control, you're helping people sit down, you're you're helping people listen, and you're there. And the Bible says that Jesus began to speak a long time. Now some of you think, I preach a long time. But they were hanging on every word of Jesus, and it says that he went on and on and on and on, and now it became late in the day. You see, I'm telling you, when Jesus speaks, people want to hear. Come on now. It's a long, long time they're preaching. So put yourself as one of the disciples now. I can see the disciples kind of getting their little committee together over the side. Jesus is out there preaching. All the disciples are standing over here. And they're like, I know one thing. I am hungry. Oh, me too, my God. And I can hear they're all talking, Are you hungry? I'm hungry too. Yes, I'm starving. You guys bring everything in? I don't have anything. In. Do you have anything? No. Oh my God. Is he ever gonna is he ever gonna quit? He's been preaching all, he's been teaching all day. We're hungry. What are we gonna do? Well, he don't seem to mind. You know Jesus, he can teach for days. He do not seem to mind. Hey, I, I got an idea. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go to Jesus and tell him, hey, the people are hungry. He seems to care about the people. He don't really care about us, but he really cares about the people. That's a good idea. Okay, so you go out there. Go out there, Pete. Tell them, Tell them that the people are hungry and needs to go, go feed. Me? No, you. They're pushing. Him. You go tell him, Jesus. So Jesus is out there teaching in front of thousands of people. And you're like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Master, uh, Jesus. Time out. Time out. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse, pardon me. Excuse me. Just, just a second. Uh, Jesus, uh, we, you know us, your interns, your disciples. First of all, we want to say, man, this has been so good. Hallelujah. Yeah, this is mm. the series you're preaching all in one day. <laughs> now we could stay all We, we your disciples. We could stay all day long. This is so good. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. hallelujah. We are feeling it. We could stay all day. Oh, we could just eat of this all day long. We're not really. Spiritually, we're getting fed. This is good, Jesus. But the people, they're kind of getting hungry. And it's, it's late in the day. So you about when like, I let them dismiss now so they can go ahead and get there before things close and they can eat. And Jesus says, well, then you give them something to eat. (laughs) What? I mean, that was not the answer you're expecting. You're expecting Jesus to say, yeah, you're right. I probably should go ahead and dismiss the crowd. But instead, he looks at you and says, you give them something to eat. You're like, "Uh, okay, hang on. Guys, what did he say? What did he say? Is he going to quit in about five minutes? Uh, No, no, that's not going to happen. What'd he say? He said, Well, he wants us to give him something to eat. <laughs> what? How are we going to feed this many people? Does anybody got any food? I don't got any food. This little boy's walking by with a long John Silver sack. They take it out of his hand. Come here, give me this. <laughs> I love the story in different versions. It talks about the little boy who brought the lunch. You know, think about that. How many people in the crowd probably had lunch that day? I imagine even though there was a lot of people who were hungry and didn't, there was probably a lot of smart people who did. Matter of fact, there's a lot of moms there, like my, my friend uh, Debbie Harden, who always has a lunch in her, in her purse. <laughs> Listen, you ever you ever hungry? You go to Debbie. say, Debbie, you got anything to eat? Yeah, what do you want? I got three or four options right here. <laughs> she got little doggy bags all ready for you. I never starve around Debbie. She's always got something for me if I need it. She's smart. She's a, she's a mom. She's a mother. She knows how to prepare. And I imagine there was other people who had something there. But they were probably just sneaking that little bit of bite out of there every once in a while. Only anybody see it. And this little boy, anybody got anything that brings his lunch? Hey, this is all we got. Hey, that's what we'll do. We'll go tell Jesus. Uh, Jesus, we want to give him something to need, but this is all we got. Okay. You go tell him. What? 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 Uh, they push him out. Uh, Jesus. Mm. Time out. That's a second. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Just one second. Uh, Jesus, we were. We want want to give them something to eat. Our heart's desire is to feed your people. But all we we could find was this little boy's lunch. It's got like five loaves and two pieces of fish. Expecting he's going to say, oh, that's all you found? Then let's dismiss. But instead, what's he say? Okay, have them sit in groups of 50 people. What? 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 I mean, I don't know if you have ever worked with people before, but people can be hard to work with. So now you want to take a crowd of 15, 20,000 people and make them sit in groups of 50. I can't even get you guys to do that. Come on now. Can you imagine that kind of crowd? Go sit in groups of 50 people. Hey, you know Jesus, maybe he's going to do something crazy. You know, how, you know he can do it. Hey, I was there when he turned the water into wine. So he's, oh yeah, he's up to, Jesus is up to something. This is going to be awesome. Hey, let's get in groups of 50. And so they organized and get everybody to set in groups of 50. And then the Bible says that Jesus took the bread and the fish and he began to do something here. He began to take it and he began to do something to it. It says that he took it, he gave thanks, he blessed it, and then he broke it. He gave thanks. He then blessed it. And then he broke it. Let me ask you this. Do, does it say in the Bible that Jesus gave thanks, he blessed it, and he broke 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 it 10,000? Does it say that he broke it 10,000 times? No. It says that he gave thanks, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, now you go give it away. So I want you to see this a part of the story that we often forget. So these guys take, Jesus says, all right, it's blessed, now take it and give it away. And Jesus is like, here you go, here's, here's your part of the loaf, and a little bit of fish. And you're like, Jesus, What? This this isn't gonna this ain't gonna feed my first fifty more or less. These all this crowd. Jesus is like, give it away. And I can see these guys taking and being like, all right, whispering to each other. You better save me one of them rows. I'm telling you right now. You better save me one of them rows. This ain't gonna go. And you start, hey, uh, we're gonna give this away. Hey, everybody, just 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 take a little, just take a little piece. You know, just, just take just take a. This has got to go a long ways. Just, just take a small piece. And people are taking little bitty pieces. and That's, that's too much. It's a little piece. It's, it's not even going to make it. But can you imagine the picture as they begin to give it away out of obedience? What God had blessed. As they take it away, it grows into their hands. They take more. It grows in their hands. They give it away. It grows in their hands. It didn't multiply until the disciples gave it away. Come on now, I want you to get this. We've been blessed, and when God blesses us, doesn't multiply until we give it away. God wants to use you in the equation. He wants to use me in the equation. When we give it away, it begins to multiply. It becomes a miracle when we give it away. It doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. I want you to get these three things down today. They acted in faith and obedience. And I want you to get these three things down. Number one, never judge, never judge your problems in light of your resources. Never judge your problems in light of your resources. Sometimes it seems like, man, I've got a vision for this. God, we've got problems for this. This is too big for God. But how many know nothing is too big for our God? Nothing is too big for our God. We just got to give away what he's put in our hands. God, what I have belongs to you. And if I need more, God, you can supply more. God, when I give away, it multiplies in your hands. Don't judge. Don't judge your problems in light of your resources, number 2. Put yourself in position for God to do something big. Come on. When's the last time you set yourself up for God to do something big in your life? Let me say it another way. Stop playing it safe all the time. Trust the Lord. Become obedient. Get some crazy faith going in this house. Allow some crazy faith to operate in this house. God, I believe you. If I I give it away, you're going to multiply it. It's going to become a blessing in the hands of the Savior. Put yourself in position for God to do something big. And number three, accept God's invitation to participate. Could God have done this miracles without his disciples? Yes, he could have. But he wanted them to participate. Could God answer my needs without me ever praying? He knows my needs. He already knows my needs before I say it. But he wants me to participate by praying to him. Could God do a miracle without my faith? He could, but he chooses to use my faith to be the seeds for the miracle we need. God wants us. He wants to use us. We are part of the equation. We are part of the miracle that God wants to do. And when we do our part, he does the above, the exceedingly, more than we could ever dream or imagine. See, God God wants to do that. When we do our part, he does the supernatural. When I put the natural, he takes the super and puts it on it, and it becomes a supernatural miracle. I love this story. Today is a story. Her name is Catherine, a lady who in Honduras, she noticed in her community that all the kids were not going to, there was no schools in their community. So at a young age, when kids should be going to school, instead they were going to the junkyard to work, to try to make money, to try to find things they could sell off for money, to try to find things they could scrap and use, maybe to feed themselves or to sell off and bring, to buy food. And so all these young kids were going to the junkyard to work. Instead of getting the education. And it was a cycle of continual kids, uneducated, living in poverty after poverty. And so she decided she was going to open up a school in Honduras. And she took a step of faith and she opened up a school and she began to get other people come around here and they helped her build buildings. And all of a sudden, because of her vision, a school was erected and it was built and it was right there. And then she had no money. These kids are coming and they're starving and they can't learn. They can't, they can't comprehend. So they're falling way behind in the grade level and they can't keep up because they're, they're hungry and their minds aren't alert to receive it and don't even think about sharing the gospel. They can't even retain anything because they're starving. They're hungry. And then Convoy of Hope comes along beside them and partners with them. And now they start a feeding program there and now many children are eating Once a day in that school, and now they're learning, they're growing. They're going to graduate and break the poverty cycle. They're going to get out of there. Many of them are receiving the gospel, and they're coming to the local places to receive it. Look at this short story. I want you to see it to inspire you today.
1: In Psalms 1:13-7, God says he lift the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage pile. That's what the scripture says. All that the children know here is garbage. Almost everyone in this community works in the trash dump, including the kids. It's like a time machine. They walk in and become adults. They get hurt a lot by knives, mirrors, and aluminum. Malnutrition and violence are the norm there and most kids have never gone to school before. Four years ago, I helped start this school right across from the city. This is the front line of the battle. Until 2018, we didn't have any food at school. We started with zero. We even had a child passed out in class because she hadn't had anything to eat in more than 24 hours. It was very hard for us because kids were always hungry. I went looking for someone who could help and I found Convoy of Hope. Now, we feed the kids every day because they had eaten they're coming alive and learning more. For them to know that food is here, it gives them a sense of security that they lack in the rest of their life. Every child here is a treasure. Because of the food that Convoy gives, combined with the education we're providing, the kids can keep dreaming. And if we just give them one chance, We can prove that they are valuable and that they could do something rather than just stay in poverty. God is doing something great here. And His promises are coming true.
0: So we see something great happening here. Something great is happening where people who just like you and I, Last year, we took up a one-day offering, asked you to give one day's wages to help fight world hunger. And because of that, we took up over $20,000 exactly last year to send a convoy of hope. And that is sponsoring 160 kids are getting fed every single day all year long because of your gift. Somebody give God praise for that. Amen. It's an awesome opportunity. But the problem is we hear about world hunger and we see the multitude, right? There's 20,000 people here, 15. How can I, how can I, my little, how's my little lunch going to feed this many? It doesn't make a difference whether I eat this lunch for myself because the, the need sound so great. But this is the awesome way that Jesus works, that when we give what we have been given, what God's already placed in our hands. God, you've given me a job. You've given me a resource of income. Now, I'm just going to give one day a week, that's going to cost you about two minutes pay all year long for the first two minutes of your day. Okay? I'm going to give that to Health 5100. hunger, and we give our part, and then other people come along beside us and say, hey, hey, they've given, I want to match their giving. We have businesses that come along beside us and say, I'll master giving, and I'll, I'll donate so much as well, and we'll give it to you at a, at a wholesale price, highly discounted, We'll ship it over here for free and we gotta ship a company overseas and we'll we'll take it there. We'll get it there for free. And we got people working around the globe networking together and everybody's doing their part. And pretty soon we'll have 160 kids just from one church location like ours that are being fed in a school or a church somewhere that needed it because someone said, Jesus here. It doesn't seem like here's my lunch. Here's my lunch. It's gonna make a world of difference in people's lives. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of things, you've done it unto me. We know that Jesus praises, puts high value on children and he takes high value in those that are hungry. And this is just not people who are hungry because they didn't get a snack today or they had to skip a meal. Many, many of these children's the only meal they will receive that day is what they receive in that, fielding, that feeding program. So next week, are you gonna say, Jesus, here's my lunch? See, he takes what I he blesses it. He's blessed me. You blessed me with an income. You blessed me with my job. I'm just gonna take the resources you've given me, and I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. And let God do a miracle. And Jesus is gonna take that. And he's gonna multiply it. And it's gonna become a miracle in the hands of Jesus. And it's gonna be an awesome, awesome day. And what the exciting thing is this. What we do is going to multiply and it's going to reach a lot of kids. But what you don't understand is this. You're you're unlocking the door for God, when you participate, for God to bless you even more. Because everything in Scripture says when we do this, that we unlock the door of blessing back into our own life. And So you're going to operate in a newfound blessing when you do this. You're going to operate in the spirit of miracle. You're operating in the spirit of saying, Jesus, I give you everything. If you're watching online today, we want you to join as well. Can you you give one day's wages? Join us. Join us. You can go through our website, mydestinychurch.com. We'll have links right there where you can give. We'll have it on our Facebook page as well this week. Links where you can give and go and sign up to give. We would love to have you participate as well. Let's all network together. Let's do a miracle together.